It's that time again for the Americana Station podcast. Uh, today's guests are the Rail Brothers from Lafayette, Louisiana. Some dear, dear friends of mine that I have known for um, coming up on a decade. Uh, and we have been playing shows together for that long, too. Uh, so I know these guys really well. Um, as you'll see in the podcast, we are really comfortable with each other and talking uh, bullshit on each other. Um, but uh, before we get to that, I'm going to update you a little bit. It's been a long month. Uh, I spent two weeks on the road in on the West Coast in California and Portland, uh, Oregon in general, uh, with Shiloh May. We had a great time um, down in Paso Robles and SLO and... San Francisco, San Jose, and uh, up in Eugene, and uh, where else did we go? Uh, Cottage Grove, Axe and Fiddle, and uh, Portland. It was a great time, and um, I learned a lot about the West Coast. I learned it's incredibly beautiful, and um, everything over there is ridiculously expensive. Um, I spent this past weekend in uh, New Orleans and Arneville with uh, Kelsey May from Evermore Nest. Did a couple of shows with her and when Clint Alfin joined us in uh, New Orleans. Uh, and I've been trying to take a little bit of a break. I've got a few shows in July before we hit the road in August for the album release tour for Living With Ghosts. We talk a little bit about it on here because the Rayo Brothers, minus Dan, uh, were on my new record. And... Uh, so we talk a little bit about my recording process. Most of this interview, though, I tried to make about um, their new record, Victim and Villain. Uh, we, will be, we will be doing some more shows in the future. I'm excited about that. These guys are some of my favorite people. Uh, I decided for future episodes that I'll be doing some in-between ones called Off the Rails, where I won't actually have an official guest and it'll both mostly just be my rambling and uh talking about americana songwriting and uh things that i've been thinking about so those will be in between episodes uh when i'm interviewing different guests so i'm going to try this out hopefully at the end of this month we'll see how it goes uh hopefully enjoy what i i do with that but that'll be a little bit more uh, or a little bit less prep and a little bit more just me uh talking about things but here's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about the Rayo Brothers and their new album, Victim and Villain. This thing is an amazing 10-song record out on Nouveau Electric Records. Uh, that's Louis Michaud's uh, record label. And um, they just put out a new music video that you can check out online for the title track of the album, Victim and Villain. That's really good, and it was shot by my friend J.D. Mahoney. So you need to look that up, and uh, here we go. Daniel and Jesse Rayo began performing as the Rayo Brothers at a songwriter competition in their hometown of Lafayette, Louisiana. Joined by bandmates Lance Callahan and Jordan Ardwan, the brothers present honest and insightful songwriting against the backdrop of impassioned folk rock and modern alt-country with majestic sweeping arrangements as stated by Offbeat Magazine in New Orleans, Louisiana. Featuring sibling harmonies and a variety of instrumentation, they put on a rollicking show that flows from raucous foot stompers to intimate ballads and everywhere in between. The Rayo Brothers' latest album, Victim and Villain, was recorded at Dockside Studios with Grammy-winning engineer Tony Daigle and Grammy-winning producer Louis Michaud of the Lost Body Ramblers. 
and released in 2019 on Nuvo Electric Records. Glide Magazine says Victim and Villain is one of the most exciting country music releases so far this year. So stick around and listen to what we have to say with the Rayo Brothers. And without further ado, here they come. Hey everyone, welcome to America. <laughs> Today on the program we have the Rayo Brothers from Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, some of my favorite people and musicians, and um, they just released a new record called Victim and Villain, and toured with one of the world's best singer-songwriters. We did? Yeah. <laughs> Me. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking about yourself. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so... How's the response been with the new album? It's been uh, pretty good, yeah. I mean, we've got, like, um, I feel like we've got a lot of interest in it. And, um, I mean, it's only been out a month at this point when when we're recording this. But um, we got a lot of, I mean, the only, like, data we've seen so far is Spotify streams. So far, we don't know any other, like, sales and and whatnot. But um, that's been pretty good, so. And you've had it in a lot of record stores. Yeah. Jesse was running into every record store and... (laughs) Everywhere we went on tour and selling them uh, vinyl records, yeah, just like a like a used sugar packet salesman from the fifties or something, yeah. just like <laughs> vacuum salesman, yeah, door to door. Just open my coat full of vinyl records. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'll take one. Um, Dan, how you doing, man? Oh, pretty good, man. Just got off work, trying to drink this coffee so I can, you know, be awake and talk. Yeah. What time do you you have to start? Uh, work? Uh, 7.30 is when I get there. Yeah. Yeah. And you are a? Mechanic. Mechanic? An automotive mechanic. Which is most of the reason why I invited you on the tour in case the... Yeah, luckily nothing broke because I wouldn't actually be able to fix it. (laughs) I would pretend pretty well. Zip ties though. That's one thing I've learned is just always bring zip ties. Zip ties and aluminum foil. Duct tape. Oh yeah, duct tape, definitely. Aluminum foil for making the tin hats, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. When we're listening to a podcast at oh, three yeah. in the morning, coast to coast, yeah. or coast to coast, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of those. I really like the the conspiracy theory uh, podcasts. They're definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. That's and coast to coast. That's the best thing about like driving late at night after sh- like from one show to the next. Like just finding the nearest coast to coast station and yeah, seeing what's the latest in conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, they had the harebrained idea to drive from Chicago all the way back to Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, after the show, which ended at like 11 at night. Um, and so we caught all of coast to coast pretty much into the morning hours, uh, and on every radio station on the way down through Indiana. I don't know how we made that drive. That was insane. And how you made the rest of the drive after I got home. I don't either. I, I don't remember much of it. I, We're I not drank. even sure who drove. <laughs> well, I think we just put it on cruise control and then all slept in the back. <laughs> I think it was a can of bang that actually did all the driving. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> we just got a four-pack of bang and whoever was in the driver's seat was just... Jordan didn't drive at all. Did no. He just slept the whole time. <laughs> He's like, oh man, as soon as I get a, a four-hour nap, I'm good to go. But uh, yeah, so new album's doing good been uh writing songs what so i know jesse you've been writing a lot more songs for the new record and moving forward um what does that process look like these days because you you used to write more of the songs dan right yeah yeah and it it, like i'm I'm still writing like for possibly another album yeah but and so is jesse 
but it like he had just for the, especially for this one in particular uh jesse just had a ton of songs and they all kind of had a somewhat like a fit together like a, an, an idea that kind of interwined between all of them and uh yeah so he he wrote pretty much this whole album i wrote one song on it and then we have one kind of an old traditional tune and a cover Rye whiskey. Uh, yeah, rye whiskey. Yeah. Right. yeah, Dan's been writing, I feel like, at a pretty much consistent pace for years now. And so, like, all of our past um, releases has been mostly his writing with, I was doing a little bit of, like, co-writing with some of his songs. Um, and I feel, and he's still writing new material, too. It's just, it just happened whenever we were making this album. I finally, like, actually got into writing myself, like, seriously. And so I had a lot of material that was just ready to go. Yeah. And now we're both, working i feel like both of us are working on at, at a much better pace now than you know like when we started for sure jesse how'd that feel when you when it clicked for you because for me i hated songwriting for years i didn't hate it it was just like a necessary thing you know and then at some point it just it was like you just said like where i was just like all of a sudden like oh i have all these songs i really enjoy this and then like how, how did that transition happen from like being like a side guy to being like one of the main songwriters um, I don't know. It, it definitely wasn't a decision that I made before I started writing. It was just, I just started writing, um, I don't know, just to, just to do it. I guess I kind of like, I kind of got into music a little bit more, like just trying to be creative and trying to write. And it wasn't, it wasn't even like, I wasn't trying to write songs for the Rayo Brothers band or anything. I was just doing it. And, um... You know, I was working with a lot. I just had like these ideas that I wanted to get out and and um, and work on, and so it was just something I was almost like obsessed with for like a short period of time, um, and just kept working at it. And even even after like the songs at when they first started getting completed, and even I, I like show them to Dan and whatever. I still like didn't really want to like play them with the band necessarily. It just I don't know. It just kind of felt it, it being that it's like the first time like presenting these songs and like playing them it just kind of feels weird for the, yeah. for the first time you you know like turn like a you know like a personal like raw idea or or something like that into like a performance that's out in front of people it's like opening your journal to the world yeah you know? it's a weird feeling which i mean you know songwriting is always at least for me is always like partially true and partially false but yeah you're always like what if they figure out which part's real you know? yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i god i just want to like almost want to name every album that i write these are not autobiographies like part one part yeah. two part three yeah like just so know. caroline's not real is what you're saying <laughs> caroline is not real but the sentiments are real and know? red river blues you don't really have the blue <laughs> Yeah, we might as well go there. <laughs> All right, let's go there. All right. Okay. So for uh, anyone who's been a, a longtime listener to the podcast, you, if you've listened to my music, you probably know that I have a song called Red River Blues, which is authentic and real and true <laughs> to my plight. <laughs> because I, I'll just go into the detail of it. Uh, I'm from uh, central Louisiana. I was born and raised in uh, Tioga, Louisiana, which is a very small rural area. And um, through... Pineville, there's a river that runs called the Red River. It also goes all the way up to Shreveport. And uh, this Red River um, has caused me the blues on occasion. So I wrote a song about it. 
fast forward to the Rayo brothers. Or rewind. <laughs> we want to talk about who you know who released it first. I'm just whatever. talking about authenticity. Oh, okay. Man. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I feel like too many songwriters are inauthentic with their songwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if it were true, it should have been Vermilion River Blues. Because well, that's true. But there's yeah. something about just the the idea and the, the the color aspect of red river blue that just it made sense the alliteration yeah the, yeah the color the red and yeah, blue. yeah exactly and it just made sense to us both separately at separate times right we didn't know that each other was writing it yeah and uh you know you just got to it first yeah just it just happened to get to it first and we our the rail brothers red river blues is so is a is a story uh, of it's sort of a Bonnie and Clyde type story. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which you did know. you guys hear that intro to this podcast? That song's called Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, by really? Will Payne no. Harris. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, huh? Yeah. Well, so you you also wrote the actual real tale of Bonnie and Clyde too, or was it just the <laughs> song? Or what? you have rights? I didn't know you had the rights. Yeah, it's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have the rights. Yeah, I have all the rights to Bonnie and Clyde. I actually own the car. I don't know if you Oh, know. that's yeah. cool. I, you might need me to work on that. I hear there's a lot of bullet holes in <laughs> there's it. There's a lot of bullet holes. Yeah. <laughs> Some major body damage. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, the Red River Blues. Uh, sort of a story of just, we, we actually just broke out a map. And it's a story of a guy and a girl, like, did you really? Basically committing crimes along the. Yeah, we wanted to see exactly where the Red River. Yeah, because we didn't know, because we didn't grow yeah. up there, because we're fake liars, yeah. apparently. And uh, But it, it just made sense. So, yeah, we broke out a map, and we started naming towns along it and sort of writing the verses off of that. So yeah. that was really fun. Jesse and I wrote that together. My favorite line in that song, I've told you this before, is the, I'll be your Shreveport Romeo, yeah. <laughs> talking fast and moving slow. That's such a good line, man. Yeah. Which yeah. one of y'all wrote that? Is that? I think that was me. Yeah. That's such a good line. Yeah, every time I sing it, I'm like, yes! Yeah. It's probably one of the best lines I've written. Yeah, that's great. That's, you're at least the second or third person who said that specifically about that line, too. And I really so like it, too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's my favorite line in the song, for sure. Uh, and then, fast forward, so the, the title track to my new record is uh, Living With Ghosts, and uh, we were at practice... Um, and for those that don't know, everybody in the Rayo Brothers except Dan, because I hate Dan, <laughs> uh, was is on my new record. And um, it's actually just because I can't play instruments. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so we were in practice, and we were doing my title track, "Living with Ghosts." And um, then Jordan's like, "This is Victim and Villain," and he starts playing Victim and Villain on top of the. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So we're just stealing each other's material just, back and forth. Yeah, I th- I th- I'd like to say we're building on it. You know, like springboard. We're, we're springboard yeah, it's a springboard forth. into yeah. like a new style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we just listen to the same stuff. We're going to create our own Grammy category. Yeah. Speaking of your record, I wanted to ask you about the theremin. Yeah. Like, what inspired you to have that on there? And like, just, it was actually the producer. I really just want to know about so it. So he heard living with ghosts and he immediately was like this has to have theremin on it yeah uh so fats kaplan he uh came and did pedal steel and and um fiddle and accordion um and theremin on the new album and uh, uh my producer brett stewart knew uh that he played theremin and so he was like you gotta have theremin and it is the weirdest like whale sounding like Whoa. yeah it's gonna be really cool but yeah 
That's so cool. I've never yeah. like I barely even knew it existed. Like I had yeah I had kind of like seen one before maybe, but when I saw you you had posted about it and talked about it, I actually looked it up. I'm like, what the heck is this thing? Man. Tried to figure out how it worked and everything. <laughs> What's cool it's about crazy. that track is. Uh, and then we'll get back to you guys because you're on my podcast. But uh, what's cool about that track is that um, we did a lot of like overdubs where there's like these electric guitars that are really delayed and then there's pedal steel that's like got a lot of reverb on it and then there's the theremin. And you can't even tell what's what. It's just this very oh, washy yeah. kind of sound. Nice. Which is really I, love, cool. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I really like um, like ambient and atmospheric type of music. And when it's done with real instruments, I think yes. that's, that's really cool. Because yeah. that gives an element to it that's like... Um, you know, like instead of creating everything digitally, it's like you're taking like a real, like, uh, a natural or, or acoustic kind of, yeah. sound and just like, you know, playing with it. Yeah. Which y'all kind of do, uh, you'll have that really cool bass line at the beginning of, uh, Victim and Villain. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Jordan came up with that, um, when we were working out all the songs. It, yeah. That is a really cool line. Yeah. That, that's something like Jordan just started playing that line. And then, like, pretty much the way you hear it, that the uh, the outro of the yeah. album is exactly how it went when it came out naturally in practice. Like, Jordan played it a little bit, and then I played, the, like, my piece on guitar, and then Jesse came in on banjo. Yeah. And we just, like, every time we play that song, we're like, we, we have to have this in it. We have to have the, this as an intro, outro, something. Just because it, it was such a natural piece of writing the song, and it was really cool to be able to have that. Right. You know, like, recorded, too, in the album. And and just when we play it live, I guess we're kind of reminded of that just you, that sort of birth of it too. When we, it, there's just something about playing with other people, playing music with other people that like you just kind of feed off of each other, and there's right. this weird like element to it. That's yeah. When everything when everything it's magic like that, and you're all like different people are playing like a cool part, and it all works together. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a fun part about about being in a band and being able to, like, create together with, like, kind of, you know, four people in a room trying to, like, make something happen. Yeah, and that was something that I got to experience with you guys on this record that I haven't had in a while um, since the Onlys back in the day is just that sort of, I, I guess I got to feel like what it felt like to be a Rayo brother for a minute because, you know... It was this like beautiful collaboration of like, hey, let's <laughs> tempo or let's like, you know, like most of the time when I hire people, they just play it how I wrote it and which is great, too. But they're just there as a hired gun. So it's nice to have like people that are in a band and all work together and gel together because it, it felt really good to have some pushback and be like, well, hey, let's try this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's try that. That yeah. sounds good. And then with the producer, you know, he's like, let's go up a whole step. And you're like, yeah, that was, if uh, we can go back okay. to talking about your album again, uh, <laughs> uh, that was, it was really fun, uh, recording it in the studio with Brett and, uh, and with Jim McGee, he was the other guy that was with us, uh, up there. Um, just like knocking it out in like, like this intense, super short period of time. We were, we were there for two days Yeah, and just like going from one song to the next and just like everyone like alert and 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 like throwing out ideas and like okay we're changing the key like everyone like we're you know this is changing the way we're all playing but it's just like being present and in the moment and making it happen and like i can't wait to hear it really yeah that was definitely i have no idea like 
I, I have no concept of what it's going to sound like once I finally get to hear. I know. Yeah. Well, it changes. Yeah. You know, with pedal steel, the song changes. And you're like, oh, it yeah. doesn't sound the same at all anymore. But I mean, it does. But you know what I'm saying? It's like a completely different vibe to it. But was that you took you guys took a few more months to record your album? Was that like a like a budget restraint or you just were taking way longer because of the, the writing process or time constraints? Well, it was a little bit of everything, not necessarily budget. I mean, um, we, we, the first, uh, session we did the first day we recorded five songs and that's the only songs we had like for sure that we wanted to do. We were actually thinking at that time that we did the first day, we might only do a five song EP. Yeah. And it was kind of like everything else was just up in the air. And was this before or after you signed to your new label? Well, we, we, we weren't signed for sure. I, yeah. I don't remember if we had been talking about it at that time or not, but the timeline was we had some songs and we were just like, we, we, we need to start working on something. Like we need to yeah. start working on something. It'll at least be an EP. So let's schedule. We got one like 18 hour day in Dockside studio. We got, we wow. booked a day at Dockside studio. We got Tony Daigle on board, which He's a super awesome guy. We're so excited that Grammy winning yeah. producer, like multiple yeah. Grammy winning producer who's worked with like everybody. Hunter and, Hayes. Fofale? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> probably both I'm not sure. Definitely Hunter Hayes, BB King, Sonny Landreth, brother Deej. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just so, Dirk. The Rayo brothers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that goes without yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Grammy <laughs> winners. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, so we got we, we booked a day at Dockside. We got Tony Daigle on board, and then Louis Michaud. Initially, we had approached Louis. Just we sent him like our demos, just to ask him for feedback about the songs before we went into the studio to say like, I mean, I don't even know. I don't. I didn't have anything in mind when I sent it to him. It was just like, hey, can you listen to these songs before we take them into the studio and, and just tell me what you think. Yeah. And then he said, well, how about I come into the studio with you guys and produce. And so that was, we were really excited about that. And, and for all the listeners, Louis Michaud is the main uh, singer and I guess songwriter for yeah. Lost Bayou Ramblers, yeah. who are Grammy Award winning Cajun artists here in Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. So and definitely a big, big deal to have him as a producer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the Lost Bayou Ramblers, I mean, uh, saying Cajun is just like barely touching on what they really are because yeah. it's like taking the genre of Cajun music and just like bringing being it so into creative. 2019. <laughs> yeah, but just yeah. being really creative and really like when you when you know these guys like especially Louis and Andre and really everyone that's involved in the in the band um it's like such a a passion project that's really about not just the music but like the culture, the French language the this place of south louisiana it's really about all of that it's not just like they're like some like charlatans who took this like like old forgotten genre of music and just added like right. techno beats on top of it or something yeah. it's like they it, it's really something that was like passionately created and it, it really shows in the music and in the live performances and in everything yeah so to have to that have brain that, behind yeah, the new exactly. record, yeah. To have that influence on the album was really, yeah, it was special. So was he? He was there for the whole process and kind of guided you through the. Yeah. So he, actually, what I think was cool, we didn't really, like, we didn't really sit down with him, 
uh, like before the studio sessions or anything. It was like he would show up on the day of the studio session with ideas and or, or like we'd just start playing and then as we were laying down one take after the other he'd say okay try it this way try this and so it was like i mean the same way as when we were working with you is this really organic yeah. like in the moment process that um i mean it's just kind of there's a little bit of magic in that i think and there's a studio video out there uh i'll post a link for sure on uh facebook and all that stuff of uh lips like wine which was that was actually the recorded yeah lot live take of that right. record right yeah at yeah. dockside at dockside yeah. yeah which uh <laughs> there there's a story that i love that uh you always sing body like elvis <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. yeah okay so <laughs> the song is called lip like wine and the, the line in the chorus is uh she's so fine i'm so restless lips like wine she's got lips like wine and body like incense okay yeah see yeah. you already messed me up lips like wine body like incense so i messed you up in chicago when we were playing yeah. with heidi buck and she was like did he say body like elvis <laughs> so at some point because we always take our own songs and just like murder the lyrics and just make ridiculous <laughs> parodies of them and somebody said body like elvis instead of body like incense and to this day, every time I sing it, I have to fight my my brain not to say body like Elvis because it's just like say it, say it, say it. <laughs> well, but the the real question is: it like body like Elvis via nineteen seventy or like nineteen? I'd like to think nineteen sixty, yeah. maybe fifty eight. Okay, fifty eight. Yeah, 50 so good body. Yeah. Elvis, yeah. My favorite Elvis body. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think Army Elvis was. Army oh, Elvis was pretty. Yeah. And those dungarees. <laughs> <laughs> when he was like doing all the movies and yeah. he was buff, yeah. That's the good that's the good Elvis taste. But after after they told me that, like I couldn't unhear that. Like I hear that literally every time I hear that song. Which uh you can check out on Spotify. Yep. Yeah. Or Apple whatever. Yeah, Apple Music, <laughs> iTunes. Everywhere you can find music. It's yeah. all over. Or select record stores. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Nashville, Knoxville, Chicago, Cincinnati, New Orleans, Lafayette. I might have missed one or two. But Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Um, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. You want to talk about that? So can we talk about Indianapolis? I was, just, yeah, okay. I was just on a podcast with my friend Sierra the other day. She has a, a podcast you should all check out uh, called On Hold with Sierra. And uh, we were, we actually were talking about Indianapolis because that's her home city. And I was like, it, it like snowed there. It was like March, like almost April. It was March 31st. Snowed there. And then she was like, oh, would you ever play at that venue again? And I was like, long pause. Uh... <laughs> How do you explain Healer to to folks at home? I can't even, like, <laughs> just being there, first of all, since nobody was there, it was like, No, they were there. They were just in the bar, in the side room. Well, yeah, I, know, I, don't, I don't mean literally no one, but I yeah. mean, like, I can't even imagine what that place would be like if it was, like, packed with people there to see a show. It's, like, such a a weird 
vibe of things happening like all over the place hippie fever dream yeah like i almost like i couldn't if there was like the more people that were there i just imagine it as the kind of place where people just be like wandering around like on various hallucinogens looking at the weird stuff all over the walls i think that's the the whole point of it (laughs) to be honest yeah i can't imagine another point to it there's yeah there's all these little booths and rooms they're like little little tent size cubbies yeah it's literally like a uh what do you call that the like office cubicles yeah cubicle that's the word i'm looking for they're literally like cubicles filled with like jimmy swaggart uh (laughs) vinyl records playing like on multiple turntables oh that wasn't and that was just weird but they had just terrifying like rooms of just demons and hell and like Uh, weird alien babies and like that one it was like a bunch of like tvs that were like five inch tvs and there was all just like snow that one was kind of cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) they had a video game room did you see the video game room no it was like classic it was like sega and super nintendo and you could just play like dr mario yeah did you get nightmares as soon as you walked in or was that just me for the the other rooms (laughs) yeah i still have nightmares about that place (laughs) sound was good yeah, yeah, I think it was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But that was that was <laughs> that was Indianapolis. That was Indianapolis. Yeah, that's that's our, our interesting. Um, but I'm gonna go back a little bit. So you guys started at a uh, songwriter night at uh, Artmosphere um, in 2012. Well, we had played some like open mics before that, but. 2012 was the competition that we we put the band together for the competition and you have there are other rayo brothers they just don't play with you yeah we have um asher in the middle of us age wise who's a police officer he played our very first show yeah then then he started working um night shifts and then we have an older brother uh, half brother jonathan and older half sisters um who are uh jonathan is a um a uh well, what, like illustrator, graphic designer, and like um, animator, like for digital like movies and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and he actually, oh, well, he's also a songwriter and a musician as well. But okay. um, yeah, so that's the other the people that aren't in the band, but yeah. are Rayo brothers. <laughs> and that's actually Jonathan is actually how we know Lance. Really? Right? Who yeah, is they grew up together. Player, yeah, yeah, they grew up yeah. together. And so, let's see, Lance. How did Lance come? come aboard was that well Lance and I were playing in church oh that's right and uh yeah I said bass player drummer Drummer. yeah well he's played bass before he'll fill in mandolin Mandolin, bass drums um and then you talked a little bit about it on uh WDVX but uh you said like your your mom and uh was a gospel singer yeah right bluegrass gospel well not she didn't really sing bluegrass. We had like bluegrass gospel in the house, and and she wrote like gospel. I I don't know how else to describe it. Like church songs, I guess. Like, um, yeah, and sang those in church. So like music's pretty much just been in your blood for yeah yeah. Your and then lives. on our mom's side of the family, like all of her uncles are a Cajun band, like a traditional Cajun band called La Frere Michaud, and then Louis Michaud, who we've been talking about, is our cousin. And, yeah. Um, we have another set of cousins that are well. I mean, like, pretty much. Patrick used at to least, play bass yeah, for you. Yeah, half and, our yeah. cousins are in bands. Yeah. yeah. So it's a musical family. But when did songwriting start for you guys? Did would it did it start around the time that you decided to 
do the competition in 2012 or? Um, no. So I'd say I started writing, um, man, I, I was probably maybe an early teenager when I like sort of got into writing a little bit, maybe 14, 15 is when I actually wrote a complete song or two. And then uh, from there, probably, Caroline was the f- no. Caroline <laughs> was actually not the first. Caroline um, was probably the third or fourth song that I wrote, and that's that's one of the first songs we played together, like with Asher, or like before we ever started as yeah. a band, because we would always play together as brothers, like just at home all the time. We'd be jam like yeah. We had we, our parents had a, a room that we just called the music room. Yeah. Like so Asher played and drums. Uh, I would play guitar or bass or piano. Jesse would play guitar or piano or whatever, and we'd all sing. And yeah, it was. But whenever we, as far as songwriting, uh, yeah, it there, we I probably had like three songs written total, and then that's when we decided to do a songwriters' night because there were only it was like ten or fifteen minute slots. Yeah. So uh, I think yeah I think Jesse pushed pushed me into not push but you know encouraged me to to get out there and so we played that together uh for the first couple of probably did two or three songwriters oh at least yeah events before our first sort of band show yeah yeah i think i might have been there that night i'm not sure i do remember being at artmosphere for a songwriter night when when y'all played um i don't know if it was your first time or not and you know i don't when did we meet you? Because I, I, I don't think... I'm pretty sure I, I didn't meet you until after we were playing some gigs. You were playing some and gigs. I can't um, remember when we like actually met. I remember meeting you at Blue Moon Saloon, and I think... What, I think the only played that or, night. Okay. Yeah, and, but I, I think I was there, at least for one of your early Artmosphere like, songwriter things, because Sean Bruce um, uh, was like, yeah, you gotta come. He, I think he was doing some new songs, and I think y'all played that night. I don't know if it was the first time or not, but uh, I remember being like, uh, oh, there's another banjo player in town, because there's like no banjo players <laughs> yeah, in South Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. And when did you start playing banjo? Was it for this project, or? No, but I, I think my playing banjo was sort of an impetus for us to start playing, because um, when I was probably... 18 so that would have been right around the time dan started writing songs um i mean i we had listened to like folk music and bluegrass music and stuff like that but for whatever reason i heard this one band called crooked still yeah that's like a progressive bluegrass band and it just like it just like turned on something in me that i I just like i have to it was like I, i bought their um there are probably illegally downloaded their album now that I think about it. Um, it was, and uh, I know. Well, I, I've since bought I've since bought many of their albums, uh, legitimately. But um, and I and I got a banjo and started like terribly playing it. I had a um, an Earl Scruggs lesson book, and uh, yeah, it was just that was it. I I just was like obsessed with it just trying to play trying to learn the roles and like how to play just the standard like simple bluegrass songs and so uh at some point i guess dan and i got together 
with his you know the chocolate and peanut butter moment like oh i have some songs oh i know i want to play banjo let's like try to do this together at a open mic where they won't like you know like kick us off stage yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah i think i think the first songs we played one of them was sailor song probably that was one so. of the first songs we ever played live and that's on our our obscure <laughs> first release yeah it's like we need to come up with some name or story for that because we it, i don't know we we got like our first we just call it a demo now yeah our first like the first five songs we slapped together and released recorded in our in our in the music room that we yeah, play yeah. in and everything i feel like i need to find a way to get rid of that first only's album <laughs> because it's so terrible i think we need to get rid of that and our first like official Ray brothers <laughs> album too just like wait was the start with guns, take you for Start with Take You for a Drive. <laughs> Just start with, yeah. I took, I mean, I took uh, Louisiana Summer off of uh, Spotify and all that stuff because I was like, Ugh. Yeah. I self-recorded it was and everything. It, and was it, that, was that the one with the Tom Petty song? Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yes, yeah. It, was it because of like a, copyright thing or no i just oh you just <laughs> i just like i would go back and i'd be like so embarrassed by oh just... wait so you rip off tom petty and the rayo brothers on your, on your album? <laughs> no it was a cover tom <laughs> petty got credit <laughs> the rayo brothers get no credit for red river blues no i i remember texting jesse when that album came out and i was like damn it i just wrote a song called red river blues <laughs> And then I made the joke, like, next is Caroline, you know, gotta, yeah. gotta do that. Gotta do, well, yeah. there's so many Carolines, though, I could have ripped off any number of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's like, one of those songs that, like, every set, <laughs> every set you play, like, someone's, like, coming up to y'all, and that's crazy that that was one of your first songs. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's weird to think, like, it's such a simple song, like, right. there's basically four or five words in it. And it's weird to think, it, it sounds like an excuse for being a bad songwriter, but I actually intended to make it as simple as possible. Like, just love, just love songs, simple, like... Well, that's one of Willie Nelson's things. He'll do, like, he's, like, limits himself to 40 words for really? a song sometimes. Let's like, go out and know that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've, I've met some songwriters that'll do that, where they're, like, even less, like, 20 or 30 words. Yeah. Cause, and seeing how much you can say with only those words. Yeah that's really cool yeah and it yeah it just it was one of the first songs we wrote and it's it's weird that it, it still feels good to play yeah like you know like some of the early songs like there's some some of the early songs we wrote that i've completely forgotten on purpose like right. i'll never ever ever play again yeah there's <laughs> yeah there's basically only two songs from our first two entire releases that we still play live yeah <laughs> But it's weird, yeah. But it's cool that some of them, some of them can last, you know. It's well, you kind of like when you're out there playing. When you say that, like you kind of you you see how the crowd reacts, and you're like, well, obviously we got to play this one. But yeah, some of them are not duds, but just like maybe they're just studio songs, right? Like, yeah, not live songs necessarily. Yeah, that's true. And there, yeah, there is such a different feeling thinking about. Thinking about writing a song for the studio, knowing people are going to listen to it a lot of times by themselves in a car. You're just in yeah. a completely different mood when than when you're live, when you're just out with friends, watching yeah. a band. And it, it, it's kind of hard, like, for me, writing, 
the majority of songs that come to me like to write is i'm more in the the mood of like of someone probably sitting in their car or, or like at work with, you know yeah and not necessarily sad or anything like, like not only sitting in your car crying like i do <laughs> but like like other you know just because no one calls you yeah exactly <laughs> it is a weird it is a weird thing like that what he's talking about it's like we've we felt like whenever we i mean the past two albums for sure which the the this album we just released and the one before that i feel like it's the first time where we kind of like deliberately sat down we're like we're, we're trying to craft like a, a a unified piece of work here where the songs work together and but it's it's like both of us i feel like have such an easier time writing the type of song that yeah you can sit down and listen to or even like i, I feel i feel like we would we're really suited to be playing like sit down like theater shows where we can play that stuff that people want to like sit down and be quiet and listen to and um i mean we have all this material that's like kind of goes well in like a festival or a bar scene because i mean that's like all we get the opportunity to play yeah that's that was i actually do want to touch on that that was one thing that uh because i mean if anyone's heard my music i'm not definitely i mean i have songs that are more upbeat but it's it's the same thing that a lot of mine are are a little bit more mid-tempo or like slower like sitting down and listening to the song kind of stuff and that was hard for me when i was here in lafayette because everyone wants to dance and have a good time and it's it's hard to play those slow sad songs out because no one yeah they're going to go to the next bar where they can dance and have a good time. So you kind of have to have both here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like a lot of times, like um, even just the lyric sort of the lyric writing process, a lot of songs to dance to, like the lyrics aren't even, uh, sometimes they're not even as important, you know, like I guess writing, yeah. like that's one thing about writing live with a band. Even if you have a song idea, like for me, if I have a song idea and like a sort of structure, there's been quite a few times where I've come to the band and <clears throat> when you're playing by yourself, you can't, it's hard to make it feel like a large scale, a beat dance right. song. But when you bring it to four other people who want to play instruments together and just being in a group, the song tends to grow with that. Yeah. I think. And, and a lot of this, so there's been quite a few songs that I thought were just going to be slow, kind of mid tempo that <laughs> band and it becomes like, you know, more upbeat. Right, yeah. Type of feel. Do you do you think that, you know, with the whole thing you were saying, where lyrics can take a back seat, especially to like a live setting here in like Louisiana? Do you think that that has something to do with, like, most of the songs are in Cajun French, and most people can't understand that anyway. So like the the whole thing is the groove and the dance and the feel. Yeah. Of the night. Um, the funny thing is though, yeah, a lot of those songs in Cajun French are like very like heartbreaking sad songs and you you might not even like understand that just from hearing the way the song is played but um a lot of dying a lot of women leaving yeah Yeah. very country (laughs) yeah and bluegrass is very similar in the lyrics it's like very tragic always someone gets (laughs) murdered yeah usually like the singer of the song murders somebody yeah and it's just and And there's in jail yeah yeah now that i think about it that's like bluegrass music is like the gangster rap of the late 1800s (laughs) (laughs) like you gotta imagine if any of those songs are like real life they're written from prison yeah (laughs) that's true all those traditional folk ballads everything man yeah and 
But there's something so important about the dance, like the rhythm aspect and the dance. Like I think the music, like when you're when you're bringing music to a group, like the purpose of it is that they can all come together and like enjoy it the same way, you know? Right. And a lot of times, like I'm just thinking about dance music, like you know, dance music could mean so many different things, but like. You mean like dance hall music? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone can agree that a rhythm makes you feel a certain way and want to move a certain way. Right. And even if the lyrics, and sometimes even if the lyrics aren't, if you don't like agree with it or if it's in a language you don't understand, everyone can still agree on the music and the rhythm. And, you know, if you know the dance to it or if you just want to move to it, I feel like there's a. Well, like, I think that there's also like a kind of like it's Friday night. I've had a long work week. I just want to let loose and relax. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. want to be sad with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. There's, I, I feel, I feel like, I don't know if, I, I mean, maybe Dan feels the same way too. I feel like us trying to, because the only thing we can play right now, the only thing we have an opportunity to play is bars and festivals. Uh, like it, it to, I feel like it's a challenge to try to write that kind of music. Or like all, we we still even if we're trying to write like something that's upbeat and, and danceable or or whatever like has a good solid groove, we still try to make sure that the lyrics are like something we'd be proud of even if, if you're just reading the lyrics and like you know we're not gonna write like you know just like dumb party lyrics right. to a song just because we're trying to make a song that people can dance to. I feel like that's a challenge, um, and like personally, I would if you know i would like to be able to get to a point where we could do a theater tour where we could just like play a lot of these songs that that dan and i both write that we just like never play live because it's just never like never feels right in that like in that venue or with that crowd that we that we play for yeah but i think it's make i mean i i know it's it's making us it's making it's kind of forcing us to do things and as songwriters and as musicians that that don't necessarily come as naturally as like the stuff that we tend to write just on our own yeah or like without putting too much of that like what feels more natural to us so i mean it's making us you know better musicians and then when we get to a point where we can where we can really like present that that more like lyrical and melodic and and like uh uh i don't know sad material you know, hopefully we get that opportunity at some point. I think for like, I, I I still, I can't, there's no, there's nothing at the same time, like to be able to have a song. That's why we end up playing a lot of covers or not as much anymore, but like in, in certain live settings, we end up playing covers, um, like because of like, I guess what you were saying about some of our songs aren't as upbeat. But there's something that feels just amazing about playing an upbeat song to just and people going wild and dancing. Oh and yeah, stuff. for sure. Like, yeah. So that's, I I really think that there's both. That you really can't like, I'm enjoying both aspects. And whenever we can play a theater show or you know like a, a small venue, a listening yeah. venue, then we get to explore the other side of our music, and that's also very enjoyable. Is is that something that you're looking into in the future? Maybe doing like duo. Uh, listening room type tours 
I would definitely like to do that. We haven't we haven't talked about it. I mean, right now, like with this new record, we're we're trying to book some tours where we can do like the whole band and kind of present that that bigger sound that we have with the record. Yeah. But I've definitely am am all on board with doing like listening room tours, house show tours, like with just me and Dan that we could, you know, um, I just haven't like, I'm doing the booking, so I haven't like done that yet, but it's something I'm definitely interested in. Yeah. It's so different because like, I've definitely done tours where half of them are bars and you're, you're just trying to fight for the crowd's attention. And then the next night you do a listening room crowd and you have to completely approach those two things differently because now all of a sudden you have, you know, 50 to 100 people that are in the palm of your hands and they're listening and they're there because they want your stories. Like that's what they came for and that was the setting and the mood of it and why they paid $20 for their ticket. And so you got to be like, this is what this song's about. And like, you know, you it's like yeah. such a different, and you're like, at first you're like, wait, they're listening to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not throwing crap, bottles better, like, head, not yeah. play this note wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is there's almost a comfort in just in not being paid attention to at that level especially for yeah, me yeah at that point you can just like kind of turn in face each other and just like jam out and like yeah. it yeah. doesn't matter yeah yeah that's definitely um i equate the listening room thing to like uh stand up comedy sometimes like it's solo listening room type stuff because you can totally bomb yeah. and lose the room <laughs> yeah like completely it's terrifying yeah like, <laughs> and what's like the worst if you're like in a listening room and there's that one person there who thinks it's a bar or like oh yes it's like oh, that's telling just... a story about their thursday night and you're like or they're just like loud like talking to you i mean like stand-up comedy like almost not heckling but like yeah they they're a fan of yours but like just shut up this is not yeah <laughs> you know read the room how yeah, was your yeah, so your your album release uh, was at Cite, which is a theater. How how was that compared to like normal like Lafayette shows for you or just shows in general? That was, I really really enjoyed that. Yeah, because that's that's our first ever performance in a theater. Yeah, yeah. so because we were able, it was it was just big enough enough good enough sound acoustics everything that we could like bring out the full sound of the band yeah but like and the dynamics and everything. Yeah, yeah exactly and but everyone but and then we could bring it down to as low as we needed to just talk sing like even like there was one song where jesse and i just sang together and jesse was singing playing guitar and i just sang harmony yeah and yeah to be able to tell stories and stuff in that setting and to still be able to have like I said, with good sound, the whole band can come up and like right. bring it bring it all down. That was yeah, yeah. That was very very good show. And one of my favorite songs to play on tour with you guys was Anne Marie because it was like such a quiet. Yeah, it's got that full dynamic range yeah. in one song. I love that. Yeah, I love, Anne Marie. I love that. It's a great song. That kind of that feel of like hushing the crowd up, and then just like letting it explode. It's yeah. such a such a good feeling. Um. Where'd Nikia go? Oh, I'm sure she's oh, she's I think she's in... Come say hi. <laughs> Be on my podcast. She's taking a nap. <laughs> so we're going to have Nikia come in here and say hi. She is from Nashville, and she is a good friend of mine, and she also lives in Lafayette now and plays fiddle sometimes with the Rayo Brothers and is a singer-songwriter. I am. She's about to release a record. Come say hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
Good. How was your nap? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I guess I should say we're at we're at Festival International um, this week and uh, doing Ray Brothers are doing some shows here and at Jazz Fest this week and um, it is a very exhausting weekend and we're only we're only on Friday. Yeah, we're like Friday night has not even. Yeah, begun. we're about to kick off. Yeah. here hardcore and we're already all taking naps and tired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to say we're preparing. Yeah. We're, preparing. <laughs> we're getting prepared. We're about to pregame here. Um, <laughs> Nikki, you have a new record coming out. I do. It should be out um, probably late summer. Yeah. Super excited. Although it's only an EP. It's a six-song EP. Yes. So it's not a full length. You've been working on that for a while, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I started it in Nashville about a year, over a year ago now. So definitely looking forward to getting that done. Yeah. And... You're touring in September. I am. Yeah. Awesome. Wait, May, June. This is coming out in June. So, yeah, you won't have toured yet. Correct. So, look out for Nikia, the killer piano <laughs> singer songwriter slash fiddle player who sometimes plays with the Rayo Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> uh, you guys want to do a song? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're going to do a song for you guys. Which one uh, do you want to do?
it's hard to keep on counting. She wants a prince who is riding a white horse. I'm not the one, but for now. We well, that's it for this episode of Americana Station Podcast. Um, do me a huge favor and make sure that you follow us on social media. Uh, right now, I'm just doing the Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so look us up. It's facebook.com slash Americana Station and uh, at Americana Station on Instagram. And um, you can also follow me at Will Payne Harrison on Instagram and uh, facebook.com slash Will Payne Harrison. Uh, make sure you uh, look up the Rayo Brothers' new video for Victim and Villain. Uh, check that bad boy out. It's pretty cool. And um, go buy their record. I mean, it's great to stream it. Make sure you do that as well. But um, go pick up a copy of it. And um, stay tuned for... I'm, I'm going to start doing this uh, off the rails uh, in between episodes. So make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And... Uh, We'll be putting out more episodes coming up this summer uh, with a lot more information about what's going on in songwriting in Americana and Nashville. And uh, we got Mary Rogers up on the podcast next. She will be, uh, we're actually recording this uh, the day after this episode comes out. Uh, we'll be recording the next podcast, so we'll be getting that one. And uh, we got Michael Bronfield coming up as well uh, later in the summer. So stick around and uh, we'll see you soon.